Hello and welcome back to Blue Royalty, a London is Blue show dedicated to the Chelsea women as goals from Sophie Ingle and Erin Cuthbert, who says we don't have a midfield, give Chelsea a 2-0 win over Real Madrid at Kings Meadow, leaving Chelsea with three wins from three games, 11 goals scored, zero cons conceded and nine points. I'm your host, Jess Mark Humphreys, and I'm joined as usual by Abdullah Abdullah. How's it going, dude? It's very good, very good. We're back on the podcast, back for another week. Champions League. I love Champions League. I think it's probably my favourite tournament of all of football. So I love a Champions League episode. How are you? I'm good. That's why it's so cruel that you never get to. I know. Watch it. It's it's just it's <laughs> ironic that it's just it's my favorite. I want to watch all these games, but they all kick off at midnight. Like seriously, UEFA, you couldn't have fixed the timing a little bit better. Sort it out just for Abdullah. Come on, guys. Yeah, UEFA, come on, I don't. Uh, you've got nothing else on your plate. Like, why can't you fix this? <laughs> yeah. Um, but we are also delighted to be joined for his debut, Adam Millington, freelance women's football journalist for the I and the BBC, and among everyone else. I'm sure lots of you will know who he is. Adam, how's it going? Yeah, it's good. Good to finally be on. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for for joining us. Really Sounds appreciate like you've been, it. Uh, you've been you've been eyeing this this for a while now. <laughs> He's been waiting for the call up. Oh, He's just waiting for yeah. that call up, the debut call. Well, it's happened. It's happened, and we're here. Um, so yeah, we're going to go through a couple of things in the show. We'll talk a bit about Madrid packing the midfield, Chelsea's patience. Got to be honest, guys, this one was not a classic. Um, and Abdullah will get a little bit in the tactics corner on Chelsea's press. But first, we will kick off as we always do with our three-word match review, guys. I'll give you a chance to get thinking about yours whilst I get through some of the ones that we got from Twitter. Um, Neom going with clean sheet specialists, pointing out that we're the only side in the Women's Champions League with zero conceded goals. And, well, this while in the supposed group of death, I think we might have to rename this group to a group of snooze, to be honest, because <laughs> none of these games are classics at the moment. Clayton going with Erin fucking Cuthbert. Amen to that. Get that on a t-shirt, please. Uh, London is blue, guys. RM goes with double pivot rules and Eric goes with Eindhoven and beyond. Abdullah, I will come to you first. What is your three word match review? Uh, Aaron, I can't say, I want to say Aaron is a baller. So I'm going to say Aaron is baller because Aaron Cuthbert is such a baller. So I slowly, but increasingly quickly becoming my favorite Chelsea player. And it just, my my prediction from 18 months ago just looks even better now. So I'm, oh I'm my God. <laughs> we know you made go. the prediction. I'm never going <laughs> to let that go. It's going to be a thing. <laughs> On Abdullah's gravestone. <laughs> yes. The paragraph from his book <laughs> about Eric being a central midfielder. Yes. Uh, Adam, coming to you now, what is your three-word match review? Similar. Cuthbert scars worldies because she just seems to do it every single week. She is a cheat Stop. code at this point. <laughs> I mean, th this one was maybe slightly less purposeful than some of the others, but uh, hey-ho. Yeah. <laughs> they all count. I, they all count, exactly. Um, I'm similarly going to grammatically cheat uh, like Abdullah did and go with patience is virtue rather than patience is a virtue uh, to fit the three-word rule um, just because I felt like, and we're going to get onto it, talk about it a bit more, but this performance was just so professional from Chelsea in terms of just like waiting and getting it done and kind of waiting for Real Madrid to maybe fuck up a little bit but we'll we'll get into all of that um we're of course talking about 
The game against Real Madrid that took place out yesterday, Wednesday, the 23rd of November at Kings Meadow in the Women's Champions League. Goals from Sophie Ingle in the 67th and Aaron Cuthbert in the 75th minute gave Chelsea the 2 0 win over Real Madrid. Abdullah, talk us through this, this starting lineup that we saw. Yeah, so a couple of changes, obviously. I mean, according to this graphic we have here, they played a 4 3 3, but I think it was the usual uh, 3 4 3 4 4 3 3 switch up. So we have. AKB in goal, uh, a back four of Ericsson at left back, uh, Malib Bright Buchanan in the middle, and then Neve Charles comes in at uh, at right back four for uh, for Eve Perisay. So that's a that's an interesting interesting move there. And then in midfield you had Aaron Cuthbert and Sophie Ingle as probably a double pivot with Fran Kirby just in front of them. And then you obviously had the f- the almost probably the the first you know uh, at least two of the three first choice front three of. Right and Kerr, and then obviously Canard came in for uh, for for Lauren James this game. So it was it was a nice a bit of a bit of a change in uh, in pace, a bit of a change in in the lineup. Um, but it, you know it uh, it's it, it, in the end it it, it worked, and obviously we had uh, subs from James Fleming and Carter who came on. And Adam Real Madrid, for me, their starting lineup was a little bit of a surprise. I guess the standout names for me that were missing were Athenia, who seems to have been injured, and and Sandy Teletti, who did come on, so presumably just wasn't starting. Were you were you a bit surprised by maybe this quite negative lineup that, that Real Madrid started with? Yeah, possibly. I think I don't think you can play negative against Chelsea and ever be able to get a result from it. You have to go at Chelsea. And it was just I don't know. You, you still have the likes of Caroline Weir in there, of course, but it, it didn't feel like the sort of team who were going to cause too many problems for Chelsea. And I think the game probably was set out to transpire that way. Yeah, it definitely felt like Real Madrid were like, we will come and play for a nil-nil draw, which, I mean, there's I think there's two ways of looking at that. In some ways, I'm like, I can understand why you would go at it for your away game in the toughest, you know, your toughest away game in the group probably and then play for that. But also, I think in terms of what Real Madrid aspire to be, it's not, it's not particularly great. If I was a fan of Real Madrid, I wouldn't be wanting to do that. Um, in terms of, of some of the stats, 11, Chelsea had 11 shots to Real Madrid, 7, 5 on target to Real Madrid, 2, 48% possession to Real Madrid, 52%. Pass accuracy, really meh for both teams really 76% for Chelsea 79% for Real Madrid which I guess is okay but their passes weren't to very exciting areas Chelsea had 12 fouls compared to Real Madrid's five can I just say this ref was like a joke from a Chelsea perspective because the Real Madrid were like kicking everyone off the pitch um nine corners for Chelsea two for Real Madrid and Opta gave the xg at 1.2 to Chelsea Real Madrid 0.5 Abdullah this is kind of like these stats I think they show a game that was was evenly matched in some ways, but I think that kind of belies what Real, how much Real Madrid were actively looking to do to do in this game, right? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, like you said, I think the stats show a little bit more of a closer game, but I think in reality, I think I think Chelsea just played. I mean, they like the, the you talk about patience. I just thought they overall they just played better. They just seemed like they were in cruise control um, for the most part, even if it was a little bit slow and a little bit. Um, uh, a little bit lackluster, probably maybe in the first half, uh, which wasn't too interesting. We'll probably get into it, but it just felt like to me the overall vibe of the game was Chelsea were just generally in control. They kind of knew what was happening, knew what they were doing. And Real Madrid, I think Real Madrid went in 
to play for a draw. I mean, that's to me, that's what it looked like. Like you said, they were kicking everybody. They were going in hard. They were trying to basically sit back. And, you know, they had seven shots, yes, but they only had two on target, which kind of then, you know, to me, spells out the fact that they were very much trying to counterattack quickly and then whatever and but they would only get to a certain point Chelsea would win the possession back and it would go back into um back into their half and it was kind of like rinse and repeat so um yeah I think that, I think this is the one one of the few times where I think the stats don't really paint the full picture and 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 I think Chelsea were I think at the end of it deserved winners uh over on the overall you know on the overall game and again i Nice to see Chelsea register over one XG a game. It's I think that's obviously we've been saying at the beginning of the season that that was a problem, but um, now obviously last few games it's just constantly averaging over one, which is which is great to see the number of chances being created. Now we just need to finish them a, a little bit more from the more from the easier chances, not from the the flick on header to the header and then the cross come shot wonder goal that went in so yeah clean sheets as well we're clean sheet yeah. fc at this point arsenal were coming for all your fake clean sheet <laughs> records watch out um we are going to take a quick ad break and when we come back we'll dig into the game in a bit more detail if you're bored of the u.s netflix why not just take it for a spin in the uk using nord vpn and a click of a button you can do just that no need to travel to japan for your favorite anime when nord vpn brings it right to you with over 5,000 plus server options no show is out of your reach using my link nordvpn.com forward slash london is blue you can receive a huge discount on a two-year plan plus one free month we all love to binge, but look, privacy is a big deal too. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted so you never have to worry about your IP or location getting out. They've also doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. Say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an affected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer. Don't forget, there's literally no risk when you use our 30-day money-back guarantee. Give it a try, and if you like it, great. If you don't, they'll issue you a refund. You can pretend the entire situation never happened check out my link again that's nordvpn.com forward slash london is blue to get your subscription started today all right thanks to our sponsors for supporting the show thanks to all you guys for listening um rate review share subscribe all that good stuff if you are enjoying the content um a little bit of a break for the world cup although i am uh, struggling as much as i'm sure the rest of people are to try and keep up with all of the football that is going on uh probably good this weekend that chelsea don't have a game to be honest um but let's start start talking about the game itself adam chelsea I felt like had quite a fast start here. Um, and it felt like the first 10 minutes, they felt really in control. There was that really early Frank Kirby uh, chance where kind of Sam Kerr drifted out wide and played the ball into her. But they couldn't really make the most of it, could they? No, they didn't make the most of the uh, the first half pressure. And it was quite a classically boring and uh, drab first half in the end. There was that early bit of pressure, like you said, the Kirby chance, which... Looked like the game had some real spark going for it from the start, and then that spark fizzled out rapidly. And it took a while for it to set back in. The team, I think, battled well throughout it. They never felt like they were losing the game to Real Madrid, even though they lost a little bit of that creativity and the spark or the ability to really cause them a lot of problems in the final third. They're a team now who, who just know how to win games over the whole 90 minutes, aren't they? They, they can deal with it settling down a little bit 
and then just go and get the killer moments against you and you have no chance. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I feel like it was something I I noticed about Real Madrid when I watched them play PSG, also in this group, that they do have this tendency to take a while to settle into games and, and PSG also couldn't really exploit it, even though they got into even better better positions than I think Chelsea did. And I was like feeling, you know, after kind of the first 15 minutes and we hadn't scored, we hadn't made the most of kind of the possession we had and Real Madrid started getting more comfortable on the ball. I was like, oh, that felt like we felt like we could have had this, you know, just killed this game off straight away, which was which was a bit of a shame. But I think, Abdullah, part of the reason why Real Madrid did start to get into this game and Chelsea were struggling with possession is, is we've got the passing networks that Statsbomb put out after the game. They're on their Twitter if anyone wants to go and have a look. And basically, we can just see, right, that Real Madrid were just dropping everyone into that midfield area. Like, their pass map barely extends above above the halfway line. And that was just a problem for Chelsea, right, in terms of keeping hold of the ball. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you just send anybody to the Desco and end up looking at the comparison between the two teams, you can easily see that it's almost like a 4v2 4v in, in midfield um, with, with Caroline Weir, Esther Gonzalez going right into that central midfield. And when you've got, like... You know, four Real Madrid players coming against Ingle and and Cuthbert, then then you then you then you're obviously going to get struggled to, to win back position and kind of transfer you know counterattack and transition into the second half. I mean, you look at the three defenders; there's still a, a little bit of distance between them and the midfielders, and obviously the attack is is way way out uh, in, in front of them. So definitely, I think Real Madrid's you know tactic is pretty obvious here. Is this, we'll, 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 you know, play in a, almost like a 4-4-2, but then, you know, out of possession, just kind of drop into midfield, create this low block uh, of almost like a box midfield, and then just try and um, try and stop Chelsea going up from, from that midfield, because obviously, like we've said, like, this is obviously now Chelsea's first choice midfield. They've both been playing really, really well, and I think for them, it was key to stopping this Chelsea side from functioning from a from a from a build up perspective is 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 to just kind of stop them because again you just look at Chelsea's passing network it's literally into like you can split it into three parts right the defense the midfield and the attack and obviously the midfield not to be uh, not to say the obvious here but they're the ones linking the midfield and and, and the defense sorry the attack and the defense so I think Real Madrid was like we stop them we have a good chance of um, we have a good chance of uh, of, of progressing and even their wide players i mean their fullbacks and their wingers were, were also trying to double up on on right and charles so um yeah i think for them it was just all hands on deck let's just defend let's just try and keep a clean sheet and and let's just try and get a draw out of this and go back home yeah and adam real madrid are a very irritating team they're not afraid to kind of go in for those little tackles to snap it snap at your ankles Millie bright was getting so fed up with esther who is such an irritating player to play against because she does just kind of try and push you over the edge and it felt like when I was watching I was kind of like it felt like Chelsea were dropping to Real Madrid's level in the first half yeah I feel like it it always has an impact on you when you're up against teams like that you look at there are quite a few parallels that could be drawn with some of the Spanish teams now in the men's game you aren't playing that stereotypical football and who work really hard to just shut you down and make sure you have no chance of getting through. It's, it's translated to some of the women's teams as well. Of course, you, you're not counting Barca into that. They just play their own brand of football that's sort of above everyone else. But, yeah, I feel like it's so hard as a team for Chelsea to not drop down to that level because when you will get so frustrated when you can't do what you want to do 
to play out nicely and build into their final third and have nice bits of build up. You have no real option. And I feel like it just looked like it was getting quite nervous. The players were getting a bit frustrated with it. Uh, it was, you know, I'm going to use football journalists like speak here. And I'll probably just say the word cagey and it'll describe <laughs> the whole thing. So I think that's Bingo! The... <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I definitely think that kind of sums it up. Um, I, Abdul, I guess what's kind of interesting here, and as the official Aaron Cuthbert midfield fan, I, I will come to you on this. But the good thing is, is if if the thing is Real Madrid go low, Chelsea also have a player in Aaron Cuthbert who's like, oh, I will go low too. And I mean, this again from Statsbomb, just this insane stat. Aaron Cuthbert made 50 pressures versus Real Madrid last night. The next highest for either side was Guru Wright and Samka with 18. So she made 32 more, and, like, they've got the map as well. This is, like, all over the pitch. She was just, like, closing down non-stop. So I guess it was, like, even though Real Madrid had all those players in midfield in and around just two of Chelsea's players, she was still, like, working to, to break up play. Oh, yeah, for sure. And if you, if you look at this pressures map, what, what I find really interesting is is nothing is literally properly central everything is either to the left or the right hand side of, of the center circle so to speak which to me is like is even more impressive because it's like on one minute she's on the left hand side and one minute she's on the right hand side which is incredible intelligence of movement and anticipation of trying to decide which side she needs to be on to stop the play and understanding understanding and to me that's just a great sign of 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 positional uh, intelligence and understanding the role a lot better because now I think one of the, one of the things that I always I had a complaint about before was you know did she have the positional sense and intelligence to play this sort of position because you need to be able to anticipate and know where is the play going to come where can I stop and now she's able to do that and the fact that she had 50 pressures which just which just basically means she pressed Real Madrid players 50 times. I mean, when you have a single player, this is like N'Golo Kante vibes if we're really comparing it to the men's team, right? Like one guy going in and just kind of applying all the pressure and then the entire team functions because of the way this one player has an effect on the team, especially in midfield. And I think with with, with players in, in, in Real Madrid, so you've got like Zoronosa, you've got Esther Gonzalez, Maite Oroz, you know, all of these players kind of playing in midfield. And then Caroline Weir also dropping in. Obviously, she's playing as almost like a striker. They're not mugs on the ball. They're good ball carries and they're good ball players. So I think it's even more impressive that she was able to have these 50 pressures against players who were excellent on the ball and can dominate. And if we're going by the stats, they had more possession. So it's even even more of a thing where, okay, Aaron was able to go in, play a natural game, and dispossess players and then almost in a 4v2 position turn around and be like all right i'm going to i'm going to take this game and i'm i'm going to i'm going to win this midfield battle on my own and i'm going to and i'm going to take it forward and i think one of the things that i said on the on the spurs episode just 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 early in the week was if this midfield performs even 50 60% well then we know for a fact that this is the midfield and i think after this performance we'll get onto sophie ingle maybe in a few minutes but like Aaron Cuthbert, no doubt, has basically said, yeah, this is my position, and pretty much if I can get the right partner next to me, this is this ends up being Chelsea's like best combination. And I think right now you can't go, you can't look beyond this. And I think, yeah, this midfield is here to stay. So Aaron was just absolutely fantastic. 
Yeah, some nice quotes from Emma after the game as well about Erin saying she covered every blade of grass. There was a tenacity to her performance even when there wasn't a tenacity to our performance overall in the first half. Second half, she drove the team on and of course she meant every part of that top corner finish. Um, someone else, Adam, who, who I thought was impressive as well and kind of the numbers bear out. Neve Charles, nine tackles and interceptions. Um, it feels like at the moment Chelsea just have this rotational thing going on between Neve and Eve, which I guess is amusing, uh, <laughs> name-wise. Um, what have you made of, of Charles and kind of her her glow-up this season? Yeah, I think Neve Charles this season has been a completely different player to the Neve Charles of other years. She's just has such a crucial role for Chelsea. She's been doing absolutely everything that's needed when stepping up to being that player who's able to start more regularly. I think that's had a big impact when you can really impress yourself at a team and build on your own personal style of play by getting in the match minutes that you need to. And she's been one of the Chelsea players who I've been impressed with the most. I'll, I'll agree with Abdullah on Aaron Cuthbert. I think I always will. I think anyone will with any sense that she's just been outrageous this year for the, the amount of things she's done for Chelsea. But seeing Neve Charles step up and she can do anything anywhere up and down the pitch, which makes such a difference to have that versatility when they're pushing the ball up. And then she can be there at the back and defend. Yeah, she's she's been brilliant for Chelsea. Yeah, and we even saw that later on in the game, right, when when we brought Jess Carter on um, to, to close everything out, that then Neve Charles is a player who you can just push up and say, well, you know, you can pl- play kind of this, wing back winger role like whatever we need you to do and on either side again we we talk about it all the time but it's like emma hayes is just like everyone must be a versatile player everyone has to be able to play in every position on the pitch and that's part of the reason why you know these chelsea teams can be so hard to break down because they're they're unpredictable in that that sense um i just want to give one shout out as well for for kadisha buchanan um because i thought she had a really good game and i thought part of the reason why Real Madrid also were, and we kind of saw this against Tottenham as well, why they struggled so much to create stuff is because she just felt like so ahead of everything they were doing uh, in this match in terms of just reading the game, being there, being able to put off players. I think there's a moment in the second half where Esther like looks like she's going to get a clean shot on goal and it's like Buchanan doesn't even get a touch, but it's just like her physicality and her positioning is so clever. It just stops uh, Esther getting clean contact. And I just think it's it's really cool to see kind of her going from, from strength to strength. But looking at kind of Chelsea's patience, Abdullah, and, and moving on to the second half, I feel like there were there were three substitutions that made a big difference here. Two of them were for Chelsea and one was for Real Madrid. Lauren James, Jesse Fleming and Sophie Svava. Um, I've got to be honest, I was very happy when Sophie Svava came on because I'm sorry, I think she's rubbish. Uh, but what did you make of the Chelsea Chelsea subs? Because this was this was 60 minute mark was kind of where the game changed, right? Yeah, for sure. I think I think for me when 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 I saw them come on, I think I think Chelsea didn't start the first half the greatest. It wasn't the quickest. It wasn't like it was still a, it was it was just to me it felt a little bit like again cruise control sort of vibes but at the same time it just wasn't like they weren't getting out of second gear and I felt like uh Chelsea needed to make the changes to kind of speed up the game and 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 almost you know in a weird way actually not even speed up the game but almost in a weird way the two perfect players to bring on in a in a, in a game where you're almost in cruise control and you're playing this slow controlled game 
is Jesse Fleming and Je- Lauren James because the two of them can change pace in an instant once they pick up the ball and they can slow it down without almost slowing down the pace of the game, if you know what I mean. Like, it's like, like Lauren James is the perfect example. She, she picks up the ball and then suddenly you're like, why is she basically at a standstill stop? And then literally maybe not even two seconds later, she's like ahead of the game. So it's almost like she can slow time down assess the situation right and and then just kind of pick the ball up or right, i'm gonna fly with it or i'm gonna pass it here and i'm, I'm gonna go there right? it's almost some avengers level level, level stuff here right so I, that's for me i think that was what was needed in the game which required patience because of the way real madrid set up in this in this mid to low block with the you know congested midfield and obviously coming up with sophie suave coming up with a bit more of an attack-minded fullback lauren james would have just been like oh you're coming on with me. Nice. This is going to be fun, right? And then kind of go from there. And I think Jesse brought, I think for Jesse to come on, it was a bit more of just bring in the energy and bring someone who's so good off the ball, which is obviously the compliment that Emma paid her early in the week. So I think it was really two really good substitutions at the right time for Chelsea. And that was the moment where Chelsea started to get back into the game and then the, the spell of pressure came on. And obviously from 60 minutes to 90, I just thought Chelsea were, were, were a class above. Yeah. Um, I definitely think this was a game where LJ in the past when she's come on as a sub, I've not been wild about because we spoke about it for the Spurs thing, but sometimes it feels like she needs that time to get into the game. But she came on here like a rocket and it just made so much difference, I think, to the energy in the team where players had maybe settled into this, okay, like quite attritional style of football. Um, and equally, Jesse Fleming, I thought, was just like the perfect answer in terms of one, obviously, Fran was never going to be able to play the full 90. Um, and, and two, just in she's such a neat player in terms of for both of them being able to kind of get a bit of control on the ball, whereas it felt like before we just couldn't string any more than, than two or three passes together. Uh, but Adam, let's talk about the first goal um, coming from a corner which came down the right-hand side, which was where Sophie Svavel was playing. Um, This was hilarious because they put two players on Millie Bright for every corner, which I think is a very sensible thing to do. But twice at corners, she still made first contact. One was in the first half where it was actually a really rubbish corner, I think, from Guru Wrighton, and she kind of like just tried to flick it on. And here she flicked it on with her head, and obviously Sophie Ingle gets ahead of um, Ivana Andres, I think it was, and, and heads in. Uh, but it felt like the goal was always going to kind of come from a set piece, right? Yeah, it was that sort of game where it needed... I didn't think it was a goal was going to come from open play. It needed one of those moments from a set piece to just change it. And then it would completely change the dynamic of the match, and Chelsea would be on top rail and be forced into trying to fight from behind to get a draw and, and open up a bit for Chelsea. And that's Millie Bright's prowess in the box just seen. I don't think putting two players on her is enough. I think you probably need three or four. <laughs> I think the second player should not be Esther. Like, that's that should be the rule <laughs> as well. Like, not the tiniest player. <laughs> no, no, you need players who can, who can physically compete with her. Maybe if you put, I don't know, Wendy Renard in the box, you'd have a chance. But if... <laughs> Yeah, if someone's playing a good ball into Millie Bright and she can get head onto it and flick it on, you know that you've got a very good chance of scoring a goal. And the set pieces are an area where Chelsea can impose themselves on teams because of that, because they've got some incredible free kick takers. And then in the air, the likes of Millie Bright, when those balls go in, you know that something's going to happen from it. Or they'll just be able to get it in an area where it's so difficult for teams to defend and they end up getting somebody on it because 
absolutely relentless inside the box. And it was Sophie Ingle. I just changed the game. Yeah, and again, I think this is a, a real weakness that if you watch Real Madrid regularly is like quite a common thing. And you could even see it earlier on in this game. They're not very good at clearing the ball around set pieces. They're not very good necessarily at mm. marking around set pieces. Um, uh, when I was at the Classico the other weekend, it was like Barcelona just absolutely beasted them. They were doing the same frigging corner routine every time and Real Madrid just wouldn't switch onto it. And again, from a coaching perspective, that's just something that would absolutely drive me up the wall because it's like, you can't control for like quality, right? Like if you can see the goal that's that's just very good, that that's hard to deal with sometimes, but you can control for those, those things. Um, but yeah, I think... This Svava substitution, I just want to talk about it in a bit more detail. Abdullah, for me, I thought, well, for me, one, Olga Carmona is just one of the best fullbacks in the world, in my opinion. Um, or, like, has the ability to get up there if she's not there yet. Um, and then when Svava came on, it was just like, Olga was moved further up the pitch, and I don't think she's as effective there. And immediately everything started coming down that right-hand side. And this is where Erin's goal comes from, too. Right. And it just felt like Real Madrid, what they'd done really well is they'd actually closed off the flanks quite decently, I thought. And they were making Chelsea funnel things through midfield, which then they were overloading. But it felt like as soon as Favre was there, every Chelsea player was just like, we will try and, and take her on. Whereas Olga's, her ability is to the extent that you can't do that, especially because she's so good going forward. And we saw this a couple of times. She will just bomb down the other end of the pitch. Like, she's speedy. But it just felt like a real, real game. I'd love to pretend that Chelsea changed the game, but I think Torrell changed the game. No, no, I, I agree. And I think one of the things that we, we I think was clear to see was when Feller was playing along uh, on, on that side, right? It was Feller and the fullback were so close together that every time it was it was just all right we, we're gonna we're gonna cramp the space we're gonna cramp the space and i think there were a couple of times i saw feather move over to the left hand side with with carmona and because the two of them were so in sync in terms of being tracking back and being defensively good at the, at the pressing part especially dispossessing chelsea over there which is obviously one of the reasons why i don't think canarid was as effective as she normally is when she has a bit more space and it's like the minute that substitution happens. Now, funny thing is, Olga was a was an attacking player, moved into left back, and now she's one of the better left backs in the world, which is which is crazy to think. And when she moved forward, it was worse than when it was when she was at left back. So I think that's a testament to her versatility and, and change into into her position. But you could clearly tell that when she moved forward, she's almost like, yeah, I can defend, but I'm more comfortable starting behind and then moving forward rather than being forward and then having to come back. And then Svava is just kind of like not the greatest in the world and i think that combination just suddenly went while well, that while that combination should actually be effective on paper because of the fact that they're both left backs quote unquote it just i think suave's quality let them down and it didn't help the fact that the center backs weren't having the greatest game in the world i mean i think if ivana was on that left side and she's she's usually pretty good but then when you've got like your left back and your partner not playing as well you're kind of then stuck in between a rock and a hard place in terms of being able to try and do everything on your own so i don't exactly blame her there but yeah i think i think that was that was and I, but i think it was it was I think what Chelsea did to change the game to go back to your point of you you know you you you'd want to think that Chelsea changed the game yes it was Svava's introduction that maybe gave Chelsea the opening because she didn't play well. But maybe the focus to then switch back to the right-hand side more than when it was on the left side with Wrighton. I think that was a Chelsea move from Hayes that 
allow Chelsea to exploit them a little bit more, right? Like get Lauren James onto that right-hand side, let's bring her on, get her on the ball, and then get Aaron to get to who's on the right-hand side, push through those half spaces and play over there, you know, and, and kind of use that and kind of overload them over there. Because, like, the minute she saw her, she went, right, so I was an attacking fullback. Let's just overload her. Literally, let's just put almost like a very basic 2v1 situation. And then if that happens, fine. You get Aaron and Lauren to do that. You have Neve Charles bombing down the right-hand side, not to forget, right? And if Ivana comes across to help and one of the midfielders comes across, you've got Sam and Guru on the left-hand side and Jesse on the left side in the middle to kind of take care of whoever's left in the middle. So it was very, it was, it was a nice move tactically to kind of shift the focus onto the right-hand side, but with the right set of players that can not just attract the overload, but also bypass that and get the get the supply across to the other side. So for me, I think it was an all round uh, perfect ingredient, uh, you know, ingredients of things that happen tactically that allow Chelsea to break through. Yeah, definitely. And some interesting quotes from from Emma Hayes afterwards saying, you know, I think a couple of years ago we'd have got impatient, especially in the first half. But there is a maturity to the team coming through. We are calm and controlled. We are certainly playing better European football with becoming more accustomed to it. And it was a really mature performance from the team. Adam, what have you made just generally of, of Chelsea in this Champions League run? Obviously, last season was a clusterfuck. Um, and it does genuinely feel like Chelsea are a bit more switched on to like what a group stage actually entails. Yeah, it does. I think taking it very seriously. You know, the games you look at, like the game against Vlasnia and... They just absolutely went for it, even though there was no need. They went for it and carried it on because I feel like doing that in those games, it's like Serena Wiegmann says when she doesn't make any rotation at all when they're playing teams who they'll easily walk over, that it really boosts the team's confidence if you can keep doing it in Europe. I think that that result at PSG will have been the one result that's invigorated the entire Champions League run. But I think they've been able to play this season against European teams and know how to do it properly. Whereas, you know, last year was just laughable at times. Yeah, there were there were problems with illness and injury, but they didn't necessarily seem to have that European prowess that others did. They compete well in, well in the league, but when they came up against teams with those sort of different ways of playing from abroad, it just didn't work. And it is working this year with the changes that Ever Hayes has made. I'm impressed by Chelsea in the Champions League. I think maybe this could be the season it goes far again. Who knows how far? Love that. Adam, you can come back. <laughs> second second appearance confirmed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agree. And I, I do think it has been impressive. And Hayes also said kind of later on in the interview that she felt like Chelsea had benefited from having a, a tougher group in terms of, I guess, being able to have that that focus, um, whereas I think, you know, obviously last year it was kind of clear that they probably underestimated Wolfsburg and Juventus. The only thing I will say is I think that both PSG and Real Madrid have been quite negative teams. I definitely think it will obviously be a different, you know, question as you get further along, but that's also just the nature of the competition. Chelsea will have to play better teams as well. Um, but I think it is, you know, a confidence boost because these are teams who aren't aren't easy to beat and, and have game-changing players. And I think, you know, to not have conceded a goal as well is is kind of testament to, to Chelsea's control in these games. Um, Abdullah? Yes, I was going to just say one thing. I think we need to just quickly shout out Sophie Ingle's performance um, in this game because I think we 
we I was getting carried away with Aaron Cuthbert, yes, but I think um, Sophie Ingle's been almost like this perfect foil next to next to Aaron, and it's almost kind of gone unnoticed, which in a way is a good thing because when you're when you, when one of your players is is literally just getting along and you're playing well and you're you're not noticing one of the players in a weird way, that's a good thing, and I think. The, for the longest time, you know, Chelsea needed that that second centre midfielder, you know, and um, it was always it was always like tough to be, you know, to go outside when when his Leupold's coming back and all these questions. And Sophie Ingle was tried and tested before, but I think now that these two have had this understanding next to each other, uh, I think it's just made a lot more sense. If I'm not wrong, her contract's up at the end of the season, right? So now, if that is the case, then does that mean does she get re-signed because of these new performances? Does she still let go? Questions? What do you think, Jesse? It is, yeah, a contract up at the end of this of the season. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm the worst person to ask on this because I'm constantly like, Sophie Ingalls done at Chelsea. And then she like comes out and like pulls out all these ridiculous performances. I definitely think the key has been this season is that rotation between Erin and Sophie as the six, like being able to rest Sophie and like have her come in for the games where it actually really matters. Um, Adam, I don't know I don't know what you think about Sophie Ingalls' longevity because I do find it impressive. Like I am really bad for saying she's done and she never seems to actually be done. Yeah, I always feel like that. Every so often Sophie Ingalls just pulls something out of the bag that's absolutely incredible. And you're not expecting it the past few games before, have been a bit so so, you're not really sure. And then she brings it back up every single time. And I feel like She's one of those players who Chelsea need to have for the fact that she can bring in the big moments and have games where she is massive. Now, maybe she's not 100% consistent with that every week, but the level that she is at when she is at her absolute best, you know, she she's the best player on the pitch when she is at, at, at that sort of level, in my opinion, the way that she just dominates the game from midfield and, and dictates how it's played. I wouldn't. It'll be interesting to see if she stays at Chelsea, with how with how strong the squad's getting now, with the likes of Harry moving into midfield. You know, are there going to be any more midfield changes happening? But I would like to see her stay at Chelsea, purely for the impact that she brings in in games when she does bring in the impacts. Yeah, definitely. And I guess some people raised eyebrows, right, about Man City supposedly like inquiring about her on that <laughs> final day of the, the transfer window. But I guess when you look at the performance she's cheaper in and um, I do always say I criticise Man City for a lot of things, but I think their talent ID is normally pretty good. Um, it's normally just how they then put it together after the fact. So uh, maybe they, they knew more than us. Um, we're going to take another quick ad break. When we come back, we'll be heading to Abdullah's Analytics Corner to talk a little bit about Chelsea's pressing. And we're back. Um, yes, so I'm not going to spend too long on this because I think we, we've we've talked about uh, this in, in bits across the podcast. But I think for me, one of the things that I wanted to point out from this game was I think I think Chelsea came to life in that second half. And I know, and, and and I think for me, saying it again, the the Jesse Fleming I think substitution in this regard was I think key. You know, obviously, like you said, Frank Kirby wasn't able to play. It wasn't going to be able to play the full ninety minutes anyway. But I think the way Real Madrid were were playing out from the back, 
there were a lot of moments of just miscontrolled passes. You know, they weren't really comfortable. It just, you know, Sam Kerr was obviously always pressing, always moving around. I think that just made them uncomfortable. And I thought Kathleen Souza didn't have the greatest game in the world. Um, you know, Freya Olofsson didn't didn't wasn't wasn't too comfortable in the ball either. It was it was giving away giving away passes and being dispossessed. And I think that combination, along with the fact that they were starting to get tired, obviously when you're sitting back and defending, 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 it takes up it takes up a mental toll. And I felt like the Jesse introduction, still playing in the, almost like this, maybe a bit more of a narrower, four, you know, three four one two or three four two one, depending on how you want to how you want to fit that in. And I think playing Jesse on that left hand side, pressuring. Uh, Susa on that left-hand side. I, I think I remember. I think it was two minutes into her introduction, or two, five minutes in. Literally, I think Chelsea almost scored that 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 uh, you know the first goal before uh, Aaron uh, Sophie Engel's goal, where the pa- uh, Fleming presses the centre back, centre back passes into midfield, but it goes straight into the right-hand side to to uh, I believe it was like maybe I think it was Sam Kerr dispossessed. They try and get it back in. Obviously, they clear it, but it was forcing those mistakes from Real Madrid in that second half that I think was 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 a turning point and you know I think we've almost in a weird way I think at Chelsea have found maybe the starting front three we've also maybe then found a front three that that works really well when you've got a lot of possession and I think Chelsea have found a front three that works when they're counter-attacking and they want to press more right and I think using a combination of these attacking players in a front three depending on the game, depending on the state, and depending on where things are at, I think is is a really good find because this game required controlled possession. Let's try and change the pace at our own uh, on our own terms. And then we also want to press and kind of, kind of you know, put pressure on, on them when they've got the ball, seeing as they're sitting back and they're the ones that need to come forward. You've got players like Jesse Fleming, Frank Kirby, Lauren James, Canarid, who for different situations can come on and do different things. And I feel like Emma Hayes has has maybe not started to realize it, but maybe she's utilizing it better and that in-game management of of being able to precisely position players in certain formations and systems rather than going too wide players in like Wrighton and Canarid in the beginning. You then get two players who are a bit more narrow in like James and... uh, and uh, Jesse Fleming, which then changes the dynamic of, of the pressing and, and, and the attacking nature. So for me, that was what stood out in, in this game. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. I think, Adam, lots of people kind of talk about this. What formation did Chelsea play? Blah, blah, blah. But it's really clear, right, how Hayes has two particular ideas, like what Chelsea want to do in possession and what they want to do out of possession. And when they're in possession, you do see the back three, right? And you get, you know, Neve Charles pushing up a bit more and... And then when they're out position, you get this like front two, like Abdullah's saying, who who are pressing really well. And that's kind of part of, I guess, what makes Chelsea harder to figure out for teams because they're so good at switching between these different formations. And it goes back to the versatility of the players we're talking about, right? Yeah, I think when you've got players who can play anywhere on the pitch, you can can utilise them all in the different roles that you want to be very flexible. I think sort of the... The view of trying to pin down a formation that a team plays is one that probably comes from people just looking at team news graphics and those sorts of things and seeing one formation. Whereas realistically, you don't see many teams who just stick with one formation across the entire game, right? They they have different approaches for different parts of the match when different things matter and whether they've got the ball or whether they don't. Uh, and I think 
ones that Emma has settled on are, are working really well for addressing the right things and having the right sort of style of play. Um, yeah, I, th- I think they've got the right balance between the two at the moment. But yeah, I don't think I don't think anyone can really pin down many teams to just a singular formation. Apart from you know you've got you've got a few teams who maybe are your more defensive ones who you could very clearly say with like a Leicester in the WSL who will be five four one at pretty much every moment of the game. But you know with Chelsea there, everyone's so fluid. Uh, at one moment, someone's a right back, and the next moment, they're in the final third trying to score. You know, at one moment, you've got Millie Bright in the centre of defence, and then she's up at the other end of the pitch. So, yeah, I think it's quite hard to pin down specifically, but that's one of Chelsea's real strengths that some teams maybe don't have is that they can do anything. I don't know how, as a defence, you would try and cope with that when you're not. You know, the way that you've got to do your marking and pressing is you've got to be facing different things for every single moment of the game. Yeah, it it is definitely one of Chelsea's strengths. And even like a couple of things that I think just kind of show that is one that I thought we haven't really talked about her because I guess she didn't do any of the goal scoring stuff. and She wasn't really involved in either of the goals either. But I thought Sam Kerr had a really good game in terms of just choosing to peel out and, and lose her kind of players and and be on the left, be on the right and make make the difference out there. And I think that's, you know, an aspect of her game that isn't always rated as highly. And I, I was with someone who's um, not often in England, doesn't often watch Sam Kerr live. And she was just like, oh, it, it's a, like no one does what Sam Kerr does, like when you see her in real life. And I was it's true. Like she's so impressive in that. And then I think the other thing I'd like to say is I thought Magda Eriksson had a pretty good game against a player in Naomi Feller who I think is good and I think is someone who you would say should be, when we talk about the worries about Magda at left back, would be a player that you'd be like, yeah, she should tick all the boxes. You know, they're going to put a long ball out to her. She's going to run on, like, run onto it and then, like, go 1v1. And generally, I thought Magda kind of covered space really well in a way to, to stop that from being a real issue. Um, but let's kind of wrap up the discussion, obviously, with our Dan of the Match poll. Um, four options on Twitter we had. Erin Cuthbert, Sophie Ingle, Kanisha Buchanan and Millie Bright. Abdullah, before I reveal the results of the Twitter poll, who who are you going for? I think there's only one name for me today. I mean, I, I try and pick a different one every week, but uh, I can't look past Erin Cuthbert, so that's my pick. That's fair enough. Adam, who, who stood out to you? Um... I'm going to side with Abdullah on this. Erin Cuthbert, I think pretty much anyone who watched the game would. Erin Cuthbert fanboy club over here. Yes, it is. It is. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. Um, I actually voted Kadisha Buchanan just because I, I'm pretty sure I picked her against Spurs as well. I just, I've just been really impressed. And I think, um, again, I just thought so much of what she did stopped Real Madrid from making any of their pressure count. Um, but Erin was also very, very good. Uh, she won the Twitter vote quite comprehensively. 57.8%, 23.8% to Sophie Engel, 15.5% to Kanisha Buchanan, and 29 to Millie Bright. Um, all right. So Chelsea in this group are now top with nine points. PSG are second with four. Real Madrid also have four. Vlatsnir have zero. PSG beat Vlatsnir at 5-0. I've been trying to do the maths. I believe, I believe if we win our Real Madrid away game, that means we'll qualify with two games to spare. 
But, I mean, don't hold me to that because I'm not actually certain. Uh, we don't have a game on the next weekend. We've got a weekend off. So we're back with Leicester on Saturday, the 3rd of December. Then that Real Madrid away game on the 8th. Reading at home on the 11th. Vlatsner away on the 16th. And PSG on the 22nd. Other Champions League results. Um, the second round of fixtures are kind of going on as we record. Currently, Barcelona nil, Bayern nil. 34 minutes played. Hmm, could be a drama there. Um... Roma drew with Wolfsburg, which is fun, and St. Pulton beat Slavia Prague yesterday too. Um, Adam, thank you for joining us. This is your self-promo bit. Where can people find you? What are you up to? Tell us all the cool things that you do, please. Um, so I'm uh, Adam G. Millington on Twitter. Um, you could probably find me popping up, talking about the WSL on a BBC Sport Live blog and trying to make some jokes which are hopefully funny um <laughs> writing reports there as well try to hopefully have analysis that is semi-decent in the i newspaper um and sometimes bits and pieces for writers and just about anywhere at some random points of the year i will probably pop up in something that you read <laughs> i love that a man with fingers in in lots of different pies um thank you again for for joining us today as we said no game of the weekend it's conti cup weekend a competition i love and i'm sad we have to wait till january or february to join um but abdullah i think maybe i haven't actually told you this but i'll tell you now um we might do a little bit of a loan roundup next weekend so uh there's a man on our team ishan who is a big fan of the chelsea loan army so i reckon you me and him will get together and uh See what all our youngsters are up to. How does that sound? Let's do it. Always, always up for that. So the next, the next generation of talent. Let's, let's do it. All right, great. So we will see you guys next week for that little loan roundup. Um, until then, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. Mm-hmm.